the phrase that keeps popping up is David versus Goliath. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all know how that story ended and we all know who we want to win. Tifa in the ether. Welcome to the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I'm your host, Fran Tifa, Francesca Fiorentini. <laughs> uh, hi, it's another Sunday, just a gorgeous Sunday for only one part of the country, which is where I am. So sorry for everyone who's under snow right now. I'm sorry it's cold. If it makes you feel any better, I didn't go outside today. So Anyway, uh, good to have you here. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and ring the bell. Um, And if you're watching on Twitch, sup. Uh, I want to do some special shout outs to the people on Twitch. I see you. I honor thee. Namaste. Thank you uh, for being here. Um, And we've got such a good show. We are talking about, oh God, this week has felt like so many weeks, um, but we're talking about uh, everything that's going on in Texas. Uh, we're talking about Rush Limbaugh dying. Uh, we're going to see if we have time to talk about the Lincoln Project, uh, which is also dying. Um, and we're going to talk about Amazon workers fighting for their rights, organizing. Uh, journalist Kim Kelly is here, and she's going to break it all down for us later. But also comedian Mike Drucker is here. And I'm super excited. If you follow uh, him on Twitter, uh, you know what a treat he is. And so he better be as fucking good as his tweets. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise I'll just have him read his tweets out loud. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I'm so thankful to have everyone here. Do I say that enough? Yeah. I'm just a very thankful person. I'm very, 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 very happy. Um, you guys, uh, Let's see. Before I get started, I want to remind you all that we have a Patreon and we have bonus content available early for all the patrons. Um, And one of those pieces of bonus content is going to be a deep dive into what is happening in Texas and what it means for the broader struggle for climate justice, for reigning in climate change, for, you know, life on Earth. Um. I don't know if you guys have heard of a journalist named Naomi Klein, but she's going to be on the show. So that's why you guys got to be a patron. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. Uh, yes, Naomi Klein will be on this show as a bonus episode. I'm super stoked. I don't know when, but hey, sign up. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. It all helps and is lovely. Uh, and to that end, I want to say that we we only had one New patron last week at ten at the ten dollar teal tier. All patrons are are equal in the eyes of God, but only the ten dollars and above gets you a shout out on this show. Uh, so I wanted to thank them, and I wanted to uh, thank uh, any tippers. TBR dash live on Venmo, TBR live on Cash App. Uh, again, not a lot of big tippers this week. I get it, times are tough, but uh, you still get the fart song. Thank you to our $10 patron, Parashar B. Thank you so, 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 so much. And thank you to Casey Rowe, a big tipper there. And to everyone on Twitch who is subscribed at tier one. There's a lot of you, but for people who've been watching for three episodes in a row, it's a three streak uh episode watch i shouldn't say streak with this music in the background but purezy irie man 42 and hacks baldy three more Phelan, tree batiki brandy lou two thunderous underscore dragon and gina j the introvert thank you so much for your support on twitch uh love y'all hey guys uh keep on supporting the show because you know i work hard and with that, let's get into what I'm bitching about real quick. For those of y'all in the comments, uh, tell me what you're bitching about right now, too. We're going to we're gonna hear what everyone is bitching about. So I was going to bitch about um, Biden kind of walking back the uh, dropping of student debt at 50000 uh, because why the fuck would he do that? Oh, my God. What are you doing? What are you doing? But I'm actually, you know, I, I had the privilege to be on Australian television last week. Um, 
talking about the uh, acquittal of Donald Trump in the uh, Senate impeachment trial. And I was on the show The Weekly with Charles Pickering, and I was horribly traumatized by how COVID-free Australia is. And I, I was sort of like, I was um, remoting in, right? And I could see everyone and they're all in the studio and there's like multiple people together gathered in a studio. They've got masks on, yeah. And they're like sanitizing stuff. But, you know, Melbourne had a kid, like three cases of COVID and they shut everything down for five days. Like everything. Because their country, um, oh God, what is it? Oh yeah, cares. Yeah, they they care about um, people and people's lives. And I just want to say that the other thing that they're doing in Australia is that when travelers come into the country, doesn't matter where they're from, uh, because unfortunately the virus is not as xenophobic as uh, you know most humans are, or <laughs> it it is colorblind, as they say. Uh, you quarantine there. You get quarantined. The government puts you up in a hotel for two weeks, right? And you quarantine. Lovely little stay. Apparently, some of the guards at one of the hotels were also banging the passengers, which is like, that's not good, but I get it. The point is this. When the fuck, when the fuck is this country going to actually ban international travel and, yeah, travel between states? I'm sorry, you guys, we've got half a million dead people. And I and all we're relying on is the idea that everyone's going to get vaccinated in time. I don't know. Are you are you banking the fact that your loved one is not going to die between now and then if they haven't already? If you don't already know someone who's died like motherfucker, I can't. I'm so done with this trash ass country, this trash country that is so obsessed with the free market and its freedoms that it's like, come one, come all, bring all your viruses. Essential workers are the ones who are going to die first. <laughs> that's the way it is. And we know those essential workers are black and brown people, of course. So that's what we're doing. That's who we've sacrificed to the market gods, right? That's what we're still sacrificing, even under a democratic presidency. Even under Joe Biden, we're still sacrificing the same people because we can't fucking get it together. That we can't we can't figure out that stopping tr international travel and local travel. I don't want all these new variants. They're all they're all coming to the states. They're still here. They're like they're already in. They're already in the house. Am I too hot on the mic, Becca? Am I getting a little mad? Becca says I'm too hot on the mic. I know. I know I'm hot on the mic. That's what this show is called. Habituation room. Hot on the mic, bitches. Um, anyway, that's what I'm bitching about. It's fucking ridiculous. I don't care if you want to call me like a, you know, commie, Gestapo, fun killer. And that's what they use. That's the worst, the fun killers. <laughs> but, you know, shut it down, man. Shut it down. I, I don't want people coming into California. Fuck you. Stay, stay in your lane. Stay in your state. Keep your COVID where it is. That's how you stop the spread. We can't contact trace anymore. We're beyond contact tracing. We're totally beyond that. It's so, it's so, it's spread so widely. And I know y'all, I know this is a good week for COVID. I know that it's going down, but who's to say if it doesn't peak up again? Once again, are you betting that your family member is not going to be the one? I mean, that's sort of what we're doing right now. Okay. I'm done being angry and I'm going to let someone else be angry. Uh, he is a stand-up comedian and the co-head writer and co-executive producer of the awesome show Full Frontal with Samantha B. He just released a book about, get this, Silent Hill 2. Not one. That was trash. Silent Hill 2. It's a video game. It's very important. I hear and maybe I'll read the book. Please welcome the very funny Mike Drucker. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Maybe I'll read the book. I don't know. Maybe this I'll read the book. Trash goblin. <laughs> Whatever. No, well, look, if it was about Silent Hill 1, I would have been like. All in. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. So why why Silent Hill 2, briefly? Just like, sure. what is it? Sell it to me so I'm like, ooh, shit, I got to read. I got to play. I got to fucking. Cool. I'll contextualize it. Uh, the book series, and I'll be very fast because you have a show to do, is uh, <laughs> called Boss Fight Books, which more people probably know those 33 and a third books that are about individual music albums. 
video game version of that where they have different authors write about different games, do their own analysis, breakdown. And oh. I was offered one and I chose, and I'm the 27th in the series, so it's been going on for a little while. And I wrote about Silent Hill 2. And the reason I chose that is because it is a horror game from 2001 that was one of the first mainstream games to really handle very, I guess, fucked up subjects with a lot of maturity and care. Like it oh, wasn't wow. just used for like sort of, yeah. And um, it's a very deep, interesting game. It's a very, very sad game. And it's I, yeah. Damn. So it's not just like gory and scary. It's like, you know, like child abuse. Uh, I don't know. Or like trauma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. That's exactly like you're like, and it's, and it's, it's for a horror game. It's very like, not that scary. It's much more like a David Lynch film where it's like a Ooh. slow burn and you're trying to figure out what's going on. It's really about regret and sadness. Damn. Um, so for a game that's 20 years old, it feels very fresh and I wanted to write about it. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. I, I especially as someone who probably has to write a lot of political jokes, it's nice to just do something totally different. <laughs> it's so nice. Like when whenever people are like, Oh, you must be sad that Trump's out because that's all you got. And it's like, no, we we had to because that's all you guys were buying. Now we get to talk about things like maternal health care and rural communities. Like we get to talk about <laughs> other things that aren't taken up because Trump like crashed a go-kart into a mountain or something and we had to talk about that. <laughs> So it's so yeah no exactly like I'm so relieved now that I can talk about even other political things. Oh, I agreed. Oh my god, I know now is that's uh, they're gonna find something else. It's still gonna be about Trump. They're gonna find their way back. Oh yeah. It's uh it's, in fact, no, I don't have any Trump stories this week. I have no Trump stories. Good. We yeah. don't want any. We oh we I hit my microphone. <laughs> we don't want any. Um. Mike, what are you what are you bitching about? Is there something briefly other than the amount of Trump we've been force fed? Um, well, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you went first because I probably would have said like no one wants to play video games with me, and so I'm really <laughs> glad you went first. Um, I think I've been annoyed honestly with a lot of the talk about cancel culture. Mm -hmm. I think it's very I think it's one it's super cynical and weird to have like Jim Jordan being like cancer culture is the biggest threat to America while Texas is freezing. Um, <laughs> And I feel like it's just been used as this very weird, and it feels the exact same as like, you know, we're, we'll talk about Rush Limbaugh, but like Rush Limbaugh with political correctness in the 90s, it's literally the same beats of the same bit where it's like, ah, these feminists and their political correctness, they don't want yep. you to enjoy this thing. And yep. it's such a meaningless phrase. Like there is, an, there is an honest conversation to say, is the public's reaction to a famous person's mistake uh, like worth it and does that rob us of the chance to actually confront people in our normal lives who we can't just call out through social media on map? There's conversations to be had, but those yes. aren't the conversations. It's almost like I shouldn't be yelled at for anything I do. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, that's exactly right. It, it's incredible that like, that all it is, is, um, being, just being mad that you have to be polite. Like being mad that you have to be a better citizen and a human being to other people. Like, fuck, that's my oppression. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a long conversation to be had exactly about, you know, whether it's, you know, how do we structurally like tackle some of these gray areas about, you know, what was offensive, what wasn't in workplaces, you know, because they're great at doing that. Uh, right. They're historically really sensitive and nuanced. <laughs> but... You know, like it, it's true. It's it's be once Mike Pompeo puts out like a formal memo uh, about cancel culture, it's it's jumped it's jumped the who jumped the shark and jumped like, the shark. I forget if it was like Newsmax or Fox News, but someone on one of the networks was like was like next cancel culture is going to come for the Bible, and I was like, even if it was real, what would it do? Like, what do you think actually is happening? If your entire nightmare world is word for word real, what are they going to do? <laughs> Especially when like so many people are canceled in the Bible, like just like it's nothing but canceling people for, I don't know, living their lives, like just doing things wrong. God's yeah. con God is constantly canceling humans. He canceled Sodom and Gomorrah. The whole town was canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So fucked. Um, I love it. I'm always bitching about the bullshit fake cancel culture discussion. But let's jump into this week, Mike. Uh, let's do it. Let's let's break it down. There's so many stories, but we're talking about my top three. This is the week where. I love the uh, music on the show. I'm sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> I just wanted to. No worries. I love the music. 
It's a great opportunity to talk about our friend Kevin McLeod, who has an entire royalty-free website, and I hope I'm properly crediting him. Otherwise, I have a major lawsuit coming my way. (laughs) (laughs) Very unsettling. Um, Anyway, this was the week where a massive snowstorm caused major power outages and water shortages throughout Texas. Millions of Texans were left without power and clean water when thermal power plants powered by natural gas and water systems froze, which meant residents were freezing to death and others had to do things like melt snow in order to flush their toilets. Now, I don't want to politicize this moment, okay? But if we want to survive, we have to. (laughs) Uh, So let me just say that it's very, very ironic that we're always told that socialism will lead to gas shortages and lines for fuel and water and empty shelves, but capitalism did that in four days. Um, Texas has deregulated its energy system. Uh, It's separate from the rest of the United States, if you didn't know. And that allows companies to avoid regulation that would have required it to account for these kinds of emergency situations, which means that instead the costs are thrust onto consumers. Um, And so just concretely in five days, that has meant that Texans who've been without power and like burning their own furniture for warmth are facing electricity bills up to $10,000. But with socialism. <laughs> under socialism. <laughs> I'm just being a constipated libertarian. <laughs> um, like clockwork lawmakers like Governor Greg Abbott and former Governor Rick Perry and Representative Dan Crenshaw and right-wing pundits are blaming Texas's problem on the small amount of wind power that the state has, including um, this like bizarre bending of time and blaming the Green New Deal as if that's what like I'm surprised they're not claiming that like AOC dancing in college was somehow generating <laughs> the green energy to then incept a Green New Deal. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? The only renewable power these guys believe in is white power. Okay. Uh, And if we could turn white power into fuel, we might have real bipartisanship. Uh, Mike? Um, I, I, what struck me about, obviously, it's entirely terrible. And I'm also frustrated with the people who are ostensibly, whether you say left, center, left, or liberal, who are kind of gleeful about it. That's like, yeah, kind of, kind of shitty. Um, the, the bill thing, for some reason, I'm not surprised that Texas has a shitty power distribution system. Um, it makes total sense on how bad the states run. But what has yeah. surprised me was the pricing thing. I was not aware of that. I was not aware that you could have your electricity prices directly connected to the market price, which sounds like like Bitcoin. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, And I was reading an article, and the article's like, well, it can be a great deal because when Texans aren't using electricity, then their costs go down significantly. And I'm like, but... Uh, has, have none of you been to a casino? What are you doing? Right, 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 right. No, this could go real bad real soon. Oh. Um, and that's the thing is like, I I think some of them are going to get relief for that, those bills, but a, a lot of people are not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fuck that. Don't pay. Bill strike. Um, of course, Mike, the best part of this, and we got to talk about it, the best part of the storyline, like I'm not gleeful about anything except for this one thing. Um, which is the Texas Senator Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Who just, oh, I got, usually, you know, straight white men are so good at failing upwards. And I just, yeah. oh, it's really hard to see how he's going to fail up on this one. Um, <laughs> um, so the Texas Senator, if you guys weren't paying attention, did what any self-preserving larva in a flesh suit would do and flew his family to Cancun to escape the snowstorm, leaving behind his dog, Snowflake. That's right. The dog's name is Snowflake, even though Ted Cruz was the one acting like a fragile bitch. Like, mm, amazing, amazing irony. Uh, so Cruz is now, though, back home in Texas. He flew back uh, in time to walk his dog. Meanwhile, AOC is also in Texas in time to walk Ted Cruz like a dog, um, both raising over $3 million for relief efforts, um, but also like showing leadership like this. Disasters don't strike everyone equally. When you already have so many families in the state and across the country that are on the brink that can't even afford an emergency to begin with, when you have a disaster like this, it can just set people back for years, not just for days. And so we have tragedy in this state. We need to rally around the state. 
need to rally federal support for Texans and the state of Texas, and we need to make sure that we make short and long-term policy decisions so that this kind of devastation, preventable devastation, never happens again. Mm. Uh, that was also followed up, and I just, the dog walking thing with Ted, the Ted Cruz AOC battle on Twitter is like, Ted needs to just pack it up. Like, at what point, my, my, you're on Twitter all the time. Yeah. Like, at what point are you like, okay, I'm <laughs> heavily owned, sitting this one out. I just want to read you this as you think. So, look, just, okay, so she writes, if Senator Ted Cruz had resigned back in January after helping gin up a violent insurrection that killed several people, he could have taken his vacation in peace. Texans could should continue to demand his resignation. God. <laughs> Uh, just like she keeps killing him and he's already dead. Um, <laughs> I, you know, what? It's, it's, I think though, I think for him, like I, and, and, and this, I don't know if this is me knowing the cartoon character of him we've created, or if this is actually him, but he feels like someone who only knows who can only get a response from someone if they hate him. Like, have you ever had um, uh, yeah. like a romantic partner or a friend who like, they didn't know how to communicate. So they had to like piss you off and then you'd have a conversation. You're like, Oh, you, you don't know how to get to something positively. And I wonder if you that's need to part create drama. Yeah. You're just addicted to the drama. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think he's been hated his whole life. And he's like, oh, I'm like this weaselly direct to video villain. And so people, <laughs> like, maybe if I get AOC mad, people will listen. And, and or like Seth Rogen, I'm going to, he fights with Seth Rogen. And <laughs> Seth Rogen, again, fucking destroys him. Ron Perlman <laughs> destroyed him. <laughs> Yeah, it's his kink at this point, right? Like he's into it. He just own me, daddy. <laughs> but it's it's almost like, and and this and this isn't quite fair. But it's almost like, I mean, not fair to what the example I'm giving, not to him. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's almost like it's it's someone who's it's almost like a nerd who's not being bullied, punching himself in the face and going, "Look how bullied I am." Yeah. You know, like, I mean, Ted Cruz is, look, I'm a nerd, but Ted Cruz is a fucking nerd. And, but like, <laughs> I think he's someone who like needs to be bullied for him to have that identity. Like that's a kind of a, like a shitty nerd dude thing to do sometimes where you're like, I don't have my, I'm the good guy without me being like bullied by Hollywood. Yeah. 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 No, but he's a free market nerd. Like I think that <laughs> yeah. nerds, there's like cultural nerds who are like, you know, into comics and whatever. And right. that's like cool again and fine. Right. And yay, embrace that. But they're like the free market nerds, like the Ben Shapiro's and the Ted Cruz's are the fucking worst. And they're so uh, disingenuous. Yeah. He's, yeah. Anyway. And also just to your point of how much you can be hated is, you know, the leaked group texts that Heidi, his wife <laughs> sent to, the, <laughs> to his friend. Like, hey, does anyone, yeah. anyone like kind of called or anyway? question mark question mark this is like first of all i know it's funny but also we've all kind of been there and they're like who wants to hang out with me <laughs> like right, yeah. what's, what's up you know like, <laughs> there's a lot of um uh yeah we've all sort of been there but also how many of us would have our friends actually leak to the media our group texts i mean wow you know you're hated like you know you're, you're so hated such a pariah and they were like <laughs> even like We've got gas, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, my God. And and this is the thing is like, I think with this, there's such a moment and, you know, Beto O'Rourke and, and AOC are doing a good job, I think, of utilizing this moment. But I really wish Biden would get his ass down there because it's such a moment to score these political points. I mean, talk about, I mean, I know he's already dead. But like, just kick Ted Cruz a little more. Like, let's right. let's not forget this. Like, utilize this. Stand on a, I don't know, fucking start a fire. You know? Can you imagine just like an old Biden, just like yeah, creating a hearth and having like children gathering around? Like, it's a great. Which he'd probably love. Like, he yeah. would love that. <laughs> exactly. He uh. just wants to be a grandfather, and somehow we made him president. Also. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I will, it. like, like I'm glad that he won versus Trump, but it's definitely times when I'm like, oh, right, Joe Biden's president. Like, it's no <laughs> longer, like, it's no longer, like, what is, for the last four years, we were like, oh, man, I almost forgot. Oh, no. and now it's almost like, oh, right, Joe Biden. Huh. Oh, yeah, that How guy. That? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, how's he doing? Oh, not good. Right. That's, that's makes sense. <laughs> is, every, is everything less on fire? Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Oh my God. No, I'm he, I can only listen to him. I love the way that the media like chops up his sound bites. Cause he yeah. doesn't have any. So they're just like, all right, we're helping him out. We're going to Frankenstein this. And here right. you go. I think this was a sentence. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he should get down there for show, but um, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, this was also the week where <clears throat> this was the week where right wing radio host Rush Limbaugh died. <sighs> yeah. Can- cancer culture. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. And that, that got me. Okay, good. If I can get you, uh, <laughs> if you think it's crass to say cancer culture, uh, let's just remember this man. Let's remember Rush Limbaugh, who referred to women as babes and feminazis, said that all composite pictures of wanting criminals look like Jesse Jackson, regularly dismissed rape allegations, called a woman a slut for wanting birth control, called a former Miss Universe por- uh, porn star Miss Piggy, said the NFL looked like a game between bloods and crips without any weapons, called Trump's child separation a manufactured crisis, mocked the Chinese president's accent, called Obama the magic Negro many, many, many times, called COVID a common cold and spread lies that deaths were being inflated by the media, called man-made global warming a hoax, compared the Sandy Hook shooting to abortion, and my favorite, in June of last year, claimed that white supremacists, quote, are such a small number, you could put them in a phone booth. And I would have really liked to see the reboot of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure (laughs) with Nazis inside, just like going back to 1943 and finding out the Holocaust was real. (laughs) And they did that. Um, Mike, how how are you remembering Rush? (laughs) What's your what's your altar like? Um, you know, I just think about all the times that uh, I had to listen to him in the car because uh, a male <laughs> no. relative was driving me somewhere. Um, <laughs> all the, you know, ugh, I, I, you know, it, I, I don't just, I didn't just hate him because, I mean, I, I feel like we're probably about the same age, I'm guessing, or I'm aging you and insulting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 22. Yeah. Right. No, right. we're both 22. And, yeah. but like, when I say Rush Limbaugh was a part of my childhood, I don't mean a good part. It was just like part of the noise you would hear. Almost like, kind of like Bill O'Reilly was a few years later in my childhood. Like in my teen years, like it was like this loud shouting voice that as a kid, I was always like, I don't get this. Mm. He's very angry. And like, you know, less my dad, but a lot of my dad's friends were very into it. Um, My dad was much more of a sports radio guy. Like he kind of liked problematic sports radio guys, but like he there, wanted there's sports. A, there's a Venn diagram there. Yeah, there's a there's crossover. A Venn diagram. Right. Yeah. It's just a different problematic host. Um, <laughs> but I just remember like, like I remember hearing things like feminazis and stuff. And it wasn't, I wasn't like fucking woke as a kid, but I just remember being like, that feels weird. Like not weird, like right. wrong or something, but more like, almost like, you know, when something both feels like a little wrong, but also corny. Yes. You know what I mean? Where you're like, sure. like, I almost felt like, I don't know. And I was 11, you know? Um, yeah. But I hate My, him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, he's he's trash. I didn't really know him. A friend of mine, I didn't actually listen to that much of it, but I feel like he's got a, he was like the clear AM station, whereas like most of them were like, and up at bat is, and then like Rush Limbaugh would be like, the Mexicans. And you're like, oh, this is, I feel like people just listen to him because his, like the signal was good. You're not wrong. Ooh, that's a clear AM. Oh, um, no. no, but my no, my childhood was very much like Sesame Street ends, and then bump, bada, bump, 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 <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, scary music, scary music, and it was just McNeil era PBS. <laughs> and then, then it was mommy time. It was then it was mommy you, time. You leave mommy's in, yeah. <laughs> tap, tap out from the TV. Um, all right. Well, anyway, I hope he's rotting in hell. Yep. Yay. Bye, Raj. You're Bye-bye. a piece of shit. Bye. I mean, there's going to be many other, many more like you, but whatever. It's fine. There's no one. He he is a little bit like Trump in that I'm not sure. I think he, like, I hope, hmm. I hope the move, hmm, hoo-ha. He's one of a kind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's that easy to fill his shoes, but oh, how they try. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. This was the week where NASA. Oh, science stories. 
successfully launched a rover onto the surface of Mars in search for life, while on the surface of Earth, Americans can't get $2,000 to protect their life. Uh, at this point, like, I wouldn't trust humans to find life on another planet. It's just more of like a seek and destroy mission. Like, what do we want with other life? Like, what are we going to do once we find life? Like, charge it rent, you know? <laughs> God. Apparently, uh, the mission is now to find, this is real, ancient bacteria. Really, NASA. Y you couldn't read the room on the, <laughs> the bacteria question. We're in a global pandemic, right? The last thing we need, the last, we don't need Martian microbes, you know? I will like, say, <laughs> with the, you know, like we need we need more microbes. Like Woody Allen needs more chances. Meaning we we don't. <laughs> Sorry. No, in their defense, they weren't. They probably like had spent ten years on this. It's I almost really like if you ordered like frozen yogurt and then got a call that there was like a national tragedy and you got the frozen yogurt delivered. You're like, do I throw it out or do I? <laughs> <laughs> totally. We didn't mean for this to coincide. There was a, there's been a lot of moments like that in the pandemic of it not needing to fuck. I'm, I'm forgetting. I do know that like some big documentary on Amazon called about pandemics premiered like in oh. February of 2020. I forgot what it's called. You're right. And everyone was like, oh, okay, well that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, and then it did. There's been a there's been a lot of like two on the nose. God damn it! What just happened? What movie just came out that was like, could we not? It'll come to me. Anywho, um, but are you, Mike? Are you pro space? Are you not pro space? How do you feel about Mars? I am pro space. I'm unsure how I feel about privatization of certain space transports. I mm. think I I I am very pro public funding towards the sciences. Um, and I often think that one of the unfair things that we are forced to do, and I think kind of from a right wing angle, that's a magic trick, is to be like, well, this isn't worth doing because we're not doing this. Well, that's not necessarily the useless or a big amount of money that could go here. It's almost like you want us to ignore the giant pile of money that's making missiles. Now, unfortunately, right. NASA is tied to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. that's a complicated thing. I, I am very pro public funding for, for science, including space. However, it's a complicated issue and NASA has a complicated history and the use of privatization bothers me. So yeah. I'm going to give you a big old, I don't know, but I sure. like space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Space. Cool. Uh, funding for it. Question mark. Yeah. I'm very much of like, no, let's solve the housing crisis before we go to other lands, you know, right. cause like uh, avatar is like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I think. So I gotta, you know, gotta remember the navi and uh pandora or whatever so yeah because i'm like yeah of course we would fucking do that if we found intelligent life right we would try to mine them and their glorious you know glow in the dark land but um it is cool it is cool it, it does just feel though like mars is just like us after climate change yeah like, yeah. Like there it is. You see it. Isn't there, there was water. There's not. Hey, it's like looking into our future. It's a little <laughs> bit of a choose your own adventure moment. It's it is I saw someone tweet and it made me laugh so hard because it's true where they were like, I know my brain's broken because I watched a 35 second video of a, a machine we made landing on another planet and 10 seconds in I was like, I'm good. Like I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Eh. The graphics weren't that great. It's fine. I mean, it's black and white. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> it was they were, the memes. I think were good. I, if I yeah. had more time to make memes, <laughs> I would have made a right. lot of memes. So I just want to let everyone know: if I could be a meme lord, I would be a meme lord. But I'm not. Anyway, um, thank you, Mike, for your, your help with the rundown of the week. We were going to talk about the Lincoln Project, but fuck those guys. They're going under. It's fine. We'll save it for another <laughs> week. Um, Skittlebutt Dragon on Twitch. Not kink shaming, but I bet Ted has a dog collar and leash that he makes his wife walk him with. That's scientifically true. <laughs> that is verdad. Like, that is all. no lies. Right. <laughs> nope, yep. <laughs> uh... 
Daniel Johnson, $2 for dead RL F that guy. Hell yeah. RL. I like how you were like, let's do RL just in case people search term him. <laughs> um, yeah. RL. Wow. Hmm. I wonder if RL Stein's first and middle name are Rush Limbaugh Stein, but he didn't <laughs> because I'm sorry. What if it was? That would be what amazing. That would be, be amazing. Oh man. That would blow all of our minds. That, that really would. Now he finally comes out. I am Rush Limbaugh Stein. <laughs> I shall not live in the shadows any longer. Um, okay, uh, for those of you just joining us, thank you once again for being here. Make sure you've clicked all the buttons, rung all the things, and we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Um, So happy you're here. You can also tip the show, tbr-live on Venmo, tbr-live on Cash App, any dollars help. Um, and yeah, let's let's talk about the main thing this week. So we all know Amazon is the worst not the rainforest, but the company. They're terrible. They're a mega monopoly. They don't pay taxes. They have horrible monitoring of workers, regulation of like their bathroom breaks and shit. There's been like worker suicides at Amazon warehouses. They've been stealing tips from Amazon delivery drivers. And Jeff Bezos uh, increased his wealth $90 billion, $90 billion in the pandemic. Um, and he still can't buy uh, I don't know, a heart, I guess. Um, I wanted to introduce our, our guest, though, because she's been following the drive to unionize an Amazon warehouse in uh, Alabama. Um, she's a freelance journalist, author, and organizer based in Philadelphia. She's a labor columnist for Teen Vogue and The Baffler, and her work on labor, class, politics, and culture has appeared in The New Republic, The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Columbia Journalism Review, and Esquire, among many other publications. She's the author of Fight Like Hell, a forthcoming book on intersectional labor history. Please welcome Kim Kelly. Hello. Hi. I didn't give you I didn't give you the sitch music, so give me one second. This is <laughs> By this all is means. this is the sitch. You're so prolific. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and to talk about what's been going on um, specifically at this Amazon warehouse in, in Alabama. So if you can just give us, this is a warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, about 6,000 employees, and there's a union drive now, there's a vote going on. How are workers feeling that you've spoken to and sort of what is, what's going on? Are they optimistic about this vote? Honestly, they are. You know, it's obviously a very intense campaign. It's a scary time. But and Amazon has been throwing every trick in the book at them and inventing a lot of their own, uh, you know, at the same time to bust this union effort. But people are excited. People are optimistic. And, you know, even just coming down to raw numbers, assuming that everyone who signed a union card actually, you know, fills out their ballot, takes the post office, they already have the numbers to win. It's just crossing that finish line is what we're waiting for. Wow. That that's awesome. And would this be the first unionized Amazon warehouse in the country? Yeah, it would be the first domino. Like there have been other, you know, worker led attempts to organize around specific issues in other places in the country. I think famously in this past March, Chris Smalls, uh, Amazon worker in New York, got fired for organizing around COVID safety. So Amazon is really not here for, you know, taking care of their employees in any way, shape or form. It just happens to be that folks in Bessemer, Alabama, were like, you know what, we got to do something about this. Damn. And, and you... You went to Bessemer. You covered this there. I was watching your segment about it. How was that? Like, did, was it easy to talk to workers? And like, tell me about these workers. Who, who was on the front lines of this effort? Right. I mean, it was for me personally, it was a little strange to go there because I haven't like left my block in a year. So going from <laughs> South Philly to Alabama was kind of a leap. Airport, <laughs> do not recommend. But it was such an important story that... Mm -mm. A lot of like this kind of mask wearing, not a lot of this mask wearing. <laughs> but <laughs> once I got there, I mean, I, I decided it was important for me to go because it is such an important story. And yeah. you know, I was there for two weeks. I'm going back again in March for to see the tail end of it. But, you know, people, it's, it's not hard talking to people. Like people are, the people who are willing to share their stories have already decided like, you know what, I'm just going to go public. I'm going to talk about what's happening. And they're really open as long as you're, you know, you show that, yeah, I'm on your, of course I'm on your side. Of course I respect your struggle. Like I'm here to hand you the mic. That's what my job is here. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a, 
<laughs> like a lot of the institutions that are left that you know comprise democracy in this country, it's an effort being led by black women. It's a predominantly black workforce in a predominantly black town, which is one of the poorest towns in Alabama in a deep red right to work Republican led state. So they mm. have a lot. Yeah, they're, they're going up against the, 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 the phrase that keeps popping up is David versus Goliath. And, mm -hmm. you know, we all know how that story ended and we all know who we want to win. And that's very much a, you know, a microcosmos of what's happening in Bessemer. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, I went through very briefly some of the like egregious things that I think we've all read about, but when you spoke with workers, um, what are they saying? Like, like why unionize? Not that we on this show, I think we all <laughs> know why, but like, yeah, like what are some of the conditions and, and what do they feel like the union would, would help them do specifically? So a lot of what I'm hearing, it's not so much, you know, fuck Amazon, this sucks. It's like, yeah, it's a very difficult, physically demanding, brutal job. And like, but folks kind of know what they're in for because we kind of know how terrible Amazon is, right? But it's a decent paying job that offers some benefits and people like understand what they're getting into. But what they don't agree with is the lack of respect and dignity that they get on the job. The thing that came up the most in speaking to people was such a small but such a big thing, it was bathroom breaks. Being able to go to the restroom when you need to, that's like a basic yeah. human dignity. But people are given, yeah, right? But these are people who are working 10 hour shifts, they get two 15 minute breaks working in, in a oh facility the size of an airport hangar. Like it's it's just those those small things that you might not even think about until you really have to think about them. Right. And, when, and you know, that's, it, it all came down to wanting to make things better. Like I, I got to speak to one of the, the first people that made one of the first calls to RWDSU, to the union. And he came from a union background. He, uh, like his form, his past job was at a union shop. And so when he came to Amazon and Bessemer, he was like, oh yeah, we're gonna need to do something about this. <laughs> so this small core of employees got together and were like, look, we need some help. We need, we need something's gotta give. And I decided yeah. to give this union drive a try. And that's, that's where we're at now. And so the vote is continuing, right? That's what I was I was reading a bit about it, that it's it's rolling. Yeah, it's a mail-in vote. So like ballots went out on February 8th and then workers have until March 29th to get them all in there. So it's not quite as like climactic as just walking up and dropping your ballot in a box, but obviously given the pandemic, it's safer. And obviously given, you know, the fact they work for a literal big brother, it's uh, it's a little more... There's a, lot, there's a little more privacy to it, too. You don't have someone peeking over your shoulder saying, oh, who, who are we doing? Yeah. Though they are getting they are getting phone calls to that effect. So really, imagine how much worse it would be if it was in person. Yeah, yeah like what are some of the and, – and Mike, feel free to jump in whenever I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, just, just uh, hammering out the questions. I've got so many questions. But like what are some of those tactics that Amazon's using specifically against these workers? So – it's been it's been kind of funny because Jeff Bezos is so much of an old school like 19th century robber baron in the way he <laughs> operates, and he's still operating from that same union busting playbook. You know, mm -hmm. where there's like the anti-union propaganda all over the facility. There are these man the workers hate these specifically captive audience meetings wherein a bunch of workers are brought into like a classroom and just hammered with anti-union propaganda for up to hours and they're mandatory and this is at a place that hassles you when you spend more than 15 minutes going to the bathroom so it's like you have all this time to tell us why union is bad but some of the medical issue is not going to be able like it's it's very transparent um, and they, they yeah. even have anti-union flyers in the bathroom for if you even make it there and one of the big things that came They're up. They're very short. You don't have a lot of time to read. So it's just like union bad, yeah. get back to work. Yeah, that's Yeah, that, it's very it. big, very big font. Uh-huh. Like work for real though. And one of the things that we discovered down there that it's it's so like it's just so small and so nasty, like so many of the things they do. We know one of the things we know about Amazon is they like to innovate. And so they're oh, innovating yeah. union busting. And something that they have done that we discovered down there, I was reporting for an outlet called More Perfect Union, and we just confirmed it fully last week. They got the count, they asked the county to come out and change the traffic lights in front of the facility. And that sounds innocuous enough. There's a lot of people going in and out, but there's this little concrete, concrete strip where organizers will stand. They stand there all day with like union signs and flyers, and they'll chat with people as they're leaving the facility. And you know, with the normal traffic pattern, you know red light, you stop talking, you have like a minute or two to talk. 
but they sped it up so much that now it's just like quick, 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 immediately it turns green. There's no time for anybody to talk to anybody. One of the organizers almost got hit by a car because of such a jarring change. Like they, they, yeah, they're at the point where they're like calling in the county to mess with the traffic patterns just to make sure that there's one less opportunity for organizers to speak to workers. I'm not a businessman, but it feels like it would just be easier to be nice to workers. Like it feels like it just would be like, like if I would just be like, oh yeah, I'll just, well, I'll just pay them and give them health care. I don't, I don't know. They have so no, much money. Give them another like... ba- bathroom break. But I mean, that's it's interesting because that I wonder if they're going to be at the point where because this is what they often do. Corporations will do when they're afraid of a union drive is just be like, oh, okay, well, um, we're gonna put out lollipops in uh. um like the back the break room. So yay! <laughs> like the, you know, they start giving concessions what they think are concessions. It's pizza parties and digital media. That's what I remember from back <laughs> my time advice. Oh man. So so many jobs. Oh, she's throwing right. the throwing the vice shade. I love it. Keep it coming. I've I've worked in many of actually I have not, but yeah. You're better off. Uh, Beanbag chairs will shut them up every time. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing too. It's so transparent. But the thing is, they're not even you know the carrot and the stick approach. There's no carrots anywhere. They're just beating on the sticks. Yeah. Like they're working so hard to crush this effort. And this is 1,500 workers in a facility in Bessemer, Alabama. They have, this man has facilities across the world, across the country. And he is pouring so much time and effort into making these people's lives miserable when they're already struggling just to like get by and survive with some semblance of dignity. It's yeah. like when your boss is the richest man in the world and he's telling you to fuck off if you need five minutes longer to go to the bathroom, like... Of course, you're going to say something. And these are the first people that finally got together and actually are so close to pulling it off. Yeah, I think that, you know, and you are have written so much about labor and you've got a forthcoming book. And I'm really excited to read it because I've been thinking about this fight for the $15 minimum wage and like a raise, you know, for Americans and the fact that these holdouts Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kristen Cinema of Arizona. And like, you think about Arizona and there's t- so many Amazon processing centers and warehouses. And there's just like, these are two senators who are from states that are like, they're just race to the bottom states, you know? And like, that's what we've done to the American workforce um, is, yeah, just throw it up against the global market of whoever will work for nothing and live in a virtual concentration camp in, you know, Southeast Asia or wherever versus workers here. And then, yeah, you know, roll out the red carpets, the corporations with tax breaks. And so it's, it is to me feels like so much more than just a fight for unionizing one warehouse, obviously the domino effect, but, but really about workers' rights going forward in this country and where we want to be at. Because if we don't do something in 10 years, it is going to be like uh, fucking, um, why am I blanking on on the movie? Um, uh, sorry to bother you. It's going to be like, sorry to bother you, where it's like, you could live in this little work pod and like, you know, sleep in your little whatever tray of, of, of yeah, living. I don't know. Yeah. Tray don't of they have those in San Francisco? They do. Like, that's the thing, right? They do now. We're here. Yeah. And we live in like a yeah. crossover episode of Idiocracy and Sorry to Bother. <laughs> that's just where we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're camped out. It's oh, great. It's <laughs> I mean, what would it what would it mean though to you? Like, what do you think it would mean if this happens? Um yeah. Right. So everything starts with a spark, right? Every massive progressive movement, every radical movement, every inch of progress that we have wrested from the grasping fingers of the elite, like the capitalist class, it's all started with something small. Started with a spark. The workers here in Bessemer, they're holding the match. And once that, that spark is lit, that means that they've set a precedent. If they can do it, anybody can do it. You know, that's the thing when it comes to these big labor fights, Sometimes you just need someone to be the first to show it can be done and to have them share, like, here's our blueprint. Here's the plans we use. Here's how we counter these tactics. It's it's to come back to the domino fight. It really is. It's a domino. Like once you flick that first one, there's nothing Amazon can do to keep this from spreading. And not just Amazon. I mean, if we're talking about organizing in these behemoth spaces, like 
look at Google, look at, you know, Facebook, look at all these you know, techie bastions of white collar privilege or whatever. Like there's a lot of regular ass people working there who aren't being treated properly. And yes. we've seen that happening. We've seen those workers start to organize. There haven't been a traditional union in that space yet, but is it yet, you know, like we're inching closer. And I'm just excited to see what happens. Cause I, you know, hopefully I won't look back at this in a month and a half and be like, Ooh, but I'm pretty sure they're going to win. They have to win. You know, that's just, there's it no other option. It does feel like a matter of time. Are there, cause I imagine there are unions, Amazon unions in other countries. Well, yeah, sort of, sort of kind of like, uh, hmm. We're, we're talking about Europe specifically here. The unions are a little different there. Labor laws are a lot different in that they have them to start, which is nice for them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's more of like there's, I mean, I would have to do a little more research to, to give you like to lay it all out. But there are there are unionized Amazon workers that are part of bigger unions. There's more of a focus on industrial organizing there. So like there are union members who work in Amazon. Right. And they've been, especially in places like France and Germany, they have really been causing a ruckus, especially as through the past year, as the essential worker discourse has blossomed. Like workers in France, they will strike over anything. They don't give a yeah. fuck if you're Jeff Bezos or if you're the president. They do not give a singular shit. So yeah, they they will strike if like the milk in the in the like, cafeteria, <laughs> whatever the break room is like expired. Like this is disgusting. Yeah. this is uh, not pasteurized. I don't know. Yeah, it's great. Vive the France. But they've yeah. been they've been I you like know it. they've been giving Amazon hell over there. Like there are there are precedents in Europe and other places. We just haven't quite crossed the finish line here. So like there is and there is like a you know across across Atlantic across Atlantic. I don't know. There is a broader movement of these workers together. Yeah. There is um, an organization called Amazon Workers International, which is like a cross-border coalition of workers from like five or six different countries. It's not an official union, but there are, these conversations are being had, organizing is happening. It's just, it's like we're, so, we're like in this liminal space between where we were and where we wanna be. We're just like so close. We just have to puncture, you know, the the film. I don't know, I'm having all these weird sci-fi metaphors yeah, at this point. But, I, I mean. But, I you know what I mean? Yeah, we've got to, well, I mean, break the seal, basically, you know, there it uh, is. There it is. like a oh, very can cantankerous, like container of yogurt, you know, or like <laughs> sour cream or something fun like that. The point is, I, I mean, I, you've been writing about this, you know, about the labor movement since before COVID. Um, do you feel like we're going to enter into a different moment after COVID and with, you know, depending on what kind of relief we get, like, are you starting to see signs that there might be a re um, a resurge, resurge, a re-energized labor movement? I think it's already happening. I mean, I was you know, sort of joking about the essential worker discourse earlier, but that's a real phenomenon. And I think it's not so much the acknowledgement in the media or whatever of essential workers. I think it's people realizing for themselves, like, oh, like my job is important. I am important. I have worth. Maybe I deserve a little bit better. I mean, we've seen yeah. so many, so much new organizing, so many new places filing for elections, so many workers organizing autonomously. I think, you know, there, there are a couple, there are always a couple big stores that take up a lot of the oxygen. Like Bessemer is one of them, which is great. They, they need as much as they can get, but there's all sorts of things happening all across the country. And I think the fact that we are kind of almost maybe ensuring towards the conclusion of this national nightmare means that, okay, if we, if we fucking survive this thing, people are going to come out of it being like, yo, my life is worth more than what I've been told it is. What can yeah. I do about that? Can't depend on the government for shit. So maybe if I talk to my coworkers, we might be able to force something on our end. What do you think in terms of the Biden administration? What do you, how do you feel like, this new administration could either help or hinder that new labor movement um, or and just generally like, could they, yeah. Like w w what is their role in all this? Well, as an anarchist, <laughs> I feel like my take on their role might be a little different from most people's, but to answer your actual question, <laughs> I would say that with the, given what we've got currently, I would say that you know one of the most effective and useful things they could do is to pass the goddamn PRO Act, make it easier for workers to actually organize, to you know sweep away some of the cluttered, fucked up regulations that have been messing with people, like with you know the current 
the current labor landscape is kind of a mess. There have mm -hmm. been some actions made that are useful. I'll give it to them. They're fixing what's happening at the NLRB. They're getting rid of the union busters there. They're mm -hmm. reprioritizing OSHA. They're, you know, they are making some steps that I appreciate, of course, because it is a democratic government. It's, they're not going as far or as hard as they need to be, but they're doing something. And I mean, yeah. like I've, I think I've written before, like obviously the Biden administration is far better than the Trump administration, but like so would a wet dish rag. Like it's really not hard. <laughs> it's not hard to top the literal like Mariana Trench of standards for a labor friendly administration. Right. So it's like they, they have a lot of opportunities to not fuck it up. I do think they will fuck it up because they're Democrats, but they as a, Republicans are actively trying to fuck it up. So really no one's doing great here. But I think there is potential, and I think if the fact that this, the, the fact that this guy ran on being like pro union, I'm a union guy, union this, union that, I've never been in one, but let's not talk about that. If he actually wants to hold on to that support, he needs to do something. And you yes. know, he has a lot of opportunities. He hasn't endorsed the uh, the election in Bessemer yet. You know, wouldn't take that much, buddy, Jack. So. Right? Has Has Sanders come out and endorsed? He sent pizza to the rally that we had down there last wow. week, like a couple weeks ago. It was adorable. He, like, it was very, adorable. it was very cute. One of the organizers told me that when somebody from the the Sanders know, apparatus hit him up or asking, "Oh, is there a you know a pizza joint that you want to order from?" That he was, it was very busy times. Like, ah, oh, here's a local Domino's, and they called back. We're like. Are you sure you wouldn't want to order from something that's like a local family-owned place? Yeah, that is extremely birdie. And they found one like a half hour away because so there's not a there's not a lot in Bessemer, oh, you know. No, I but can imagine. Small. Oh, that's so nice though. Yeah, it was it was cute. People appreciated it. Like, it yeah, doesn't take that. The left would have canceled the shit out of Bernie if he had sent Domino's to Bessemer. Like, we would have we would have destroyed him for for that move. But uh, the closest so good. <laughs> <laughs> we're good at eating our. So let me just clarify before I let you go that even though you're an anarchist, you still believe that government can do some good in some limited spaces. Because every anarchist is a socialist, ultimately, even if your goal is is we'll talk about this later, Kim, because I've got a lot of thoughts. Mm. Yeah, but, I certainly would not call myself a socialist, but I with what we've got right now, if they can do something decent, I'm not going to be mad at it. We'll just say that. <laughs> baby, baby, step, baby steps. Yeah. And if not baby steps, burn it all down. I got it. I got I'm, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, You're going to get me not, in trouble. Tucker Carlson has already yelled at me once. I don't need anything more from that. You're going to yell at Fox News, Domino's. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, Fox <laughs> News has been mad at me before. Tucker Carlson has shit himself over me before. I don't that need to Oh my God, that's a badge of honor. Oh, tell that oh. to the NPR for not letting me write for him anymore after that. But enough Shut about me. Shut oh. the fuck up. This no one so, likes real radicals. This, this is the, I mean, this is the thing. The real cancel culture is like, you know, oh, if you say you're an anarchist or, you know, a socialist even, it's right. like, up, oh, done, bye. Um, anywho, Kim Kelly, uh, wonderful to, to talk to you. Please, everyone, follow Kim on Twitter uh, at Grim Kim and, and follow her work um, at The Baffler and at Teen Vogue. Fucking all the time, my friends and I, my old, old activist friends of mine are always exchanging your articles and being like, damn, Teen Vogue's woke as fuck. Teen, Vogue, <laughs> Teen Vogue's dope as shit. Why, how are they like carrying the torch of the, these old lefty rags that we used to write and like work on? Like, anyway, um, thank you. And, and, and lastly, is there any way or, or how you, would you encourage people to like get involved or support the workers in Bessemer? They're, I mean, they're very appreciative of public support. You can follow them on Twitter, keep an eye on what they're up to, you know, amplify. Stacey Abrams just did a video for them, like a support video, which was very nice. Like just, and keep the pressure on, like Amazon doesn't want people to pay attention. So that's exactly what you need to be doing. Absolutely. And also, hey, don't buy from Amazon. If have we mentioned that, <laughs> just stop doing that. All it's right, Kim. internet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a big internet. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, be well. Have a good night. I love beagles on YouTube. I'm boycotting Amazon. Very good. I, I like mostly. There's like a couple things where I'm like, where am I going to get this ink 
Staples. Support local businesses like staples.com. Um, <laughs> think of the little guys like Target. Barnes and Noble. Barnes <laughs> Barnes and Noble. Remember the 90s when that was the giant corporation that was threatening everything? And then we invented worse ones. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Borders books? We're like, oh, oh. Borders. <laughs> Tower Records has really killed off a bunch of record stores. Oh, God. We were so naive. We were so naive. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Uh, Nathan G, here's to pizza. Thank you for the super chat. And Todd Roy, thank you, as always, for being here. Bernie is the man. Uh, agreed. All right, we got one more segment. We're looking at all the tweets we don't send because we have, um, speaking of who's owned uh, Ted Cruz, Mike Drucker his own Ted Cruz multiple times. Oh, and, and oh my God, you fucking crush it. You're such a good writer. You're so Thank funny. You. Thank you I much. do need to read your book, even though I don't play video games, but just cause I feel like I'm going to laugh my ass off and enjoy it. Um, <laughs> Mike is doing a not so much. So, so hand I, gesture, which means, which means it's, it's, it's mostly not about laughing. It's mostly not about laughing, but if you want to read it, uh, bossfightbooks.com is an independent publisher. Hell yeah. Okay. There you go. Take that Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more, one more segment. This is called draft tweet. Okay, what is a tweet you didn't send for one reason or another? Here's the reason. Okay. Okay. So, so let me back up. I am. I also do a lot of stuff in like video games as well as writing jokes for political comedy shows. And so I have a lot of friends who, when I do calls, have very specifically decorated rooms in a very specific way to show that they enjoy nerd things in video games. <laughs> and I always find it not annoying. It's just not for me. And it's, you know, it's for someone else and that's fine. And so I almost didn't tweet something because it kind of like is an arrow that fires backwards at people I like. Oh, yeah, no. That, um, All your coworkers follow you. You can't do that. Um, and your friend. <laughs> do you remember when, um, what was, what's her name? Rep, uh, Bobert is her last name? Yes, Lauren. The, the gun Lauren. display behind her. And uh, Don Jr. did. Yeah, Lauren Bobert uh, from Colorado. And Don Jr. had the gun display behind him. And I had a picture of them with finally something shittier to have on a shelf behind you than Funko Pops. Because <laughs> I hate Funko Pops. I'm sorry. If you're a Funko Pops rep watching, you're probably not. But I, uh, <laughs> I don't need your sponsorship. So I didn't tweet it because I thought it would hurt the feelings of people who are genuinely my friends. That's so, uh, um, you know, the, oh, yes. They would definitely reach out privately and be like, you know, hey, that man. Really, really hurt me. You know, I got to set the stage for my stuff. And I'm like, I know, I'm being a dick. I'm sorry. I I have a taco cat behind me um, because I won it at a carnival. And when I won the taco cat, I don't win shit. I'm one of those people <laughs> that I don't, have, I don't have any luck. I don't, uh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have any luck on anything. And I'm terrible at games. In fact, I will start a Twitch channel of me failing the Dude. same jump for 15 minutes. It would probably, honestly, people would, people would watch that. People, people honestly would watch that. Okay. I mean, you get real, you got to get real high to watch me play video games. Cause it, it'll start to make sense <laughs> once you get that high. But yeah, but yeah, no taco cat. And when I won taco cat, I was like, I like sque squealed in the like girliest squeal I've ever squealed. It was just like, I want a taco cat. And so anyway, that's, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be behind me. Okay, my draft tweet. So I don't, because I have to do a lot of, or feel like I do a lot of political commentary and, and always trying to, I'm basically just trying to be Mike Drucker on Twitter. And and so I'm like, I can never tweet about, you know, when I want to talk about Cardi B or Bad Bunny and all the things that I like and and also just pop culture. And I, I do want to say, this is a tweet, uh, we all know that Rose and Jack would have never made it as a couple, right? <laughs> You're right. Right? Like, Rose and Jack from Titanic, for those who don't know, like, if he had survived, if the if the Titanic never went down, the fuck, that was what? That had, like, another two weeks on it. Oh, definitely. She had to be the fourth cruise he's done this on. Like, this has to be, like, <laughs> this is a pattern. It's a predatory pattern. He just didn't expect it to sink. Yeah, all the other women that he drew were also right. on different cruises. <laughs> 
none of them were like you know French prostitutes. It was they were just other high society ladies. That's so it's so true. It was a fling. It was physical. The sex right. was good, but like you know, and I feel like they need to redo it with the scene with her just being like, "It's not gonna last." Like prying his fingers off of the board, you know. I'm like, you need to die now. Um, also. Would totally watch a Titanic too and see like Rose's life and like who does she marry? Oh, what yeah. you know, like what happens? Does she change? Does she learn? Does she like tip a little more now that she's understood the way the poor live? You know, I don't know. Like, does she? I bet that's she got in be class. A show. Yeah, I feel like, like you could genuinely pitch that and make that into a show, and someone would buy it. Uh, like you're saying it as a joke, but I'm like, if you said that seriously to a group of people with money, they'd probably be like, oh, okay, here's money. <laughs> I've said a lot of things. I've, I've I've been in a room with people who are like, could could buy apps, like apps, like uh, applications for your phone in San Francisco, probably in one of those pods. And uh, I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, Francesca, shoot your shot, dude. What What would you fucking, what would you pitch? And I was like, Yelp. This is my idea. Yelp, but only for hair and nails. So it's like beauty Yelp. Yeah, yeah. And and they were like, mm, no, they they weren't. In, I had a dumb name for it. I had a really bad name for it. God, my Sunday brain. But um, anyway, it was a bad shot. But they still, I still got a drink. This was after a comedy show. It was fine. Every everything was fine. <laughs> Uh, I had already made them laugh. They were they, they were like I was just trying to impress them. They were like, "Ugh, stay in your lane." Um, Mike Drucker, thank you so much for being on the Bituation Room. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Mike Drucker on Twitter. That's M I K E. You see it there, D R U C K E R. And if you want to see Instagram, which is just a bunch of pictures of video games and dead Christmas trees, at Mike Drucker <laughs> is dead. And Silent Hill Two is is the name of the book as well. Name of the book is well, uh, well, Silent Hill 2 by Boss Fight Books. Also, a ton of other great books in that series. So if you like video games but don't like horror games, there's a lot of very good books in there. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. I'm promoting your fellow writers. Um, and, and as always, you, you're, you're so great. And, um, and come back. Thank you for staying up late. And be very well. Uh, Thank you. Take good care. Hey. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash room. We're going to have Naomi Klein up, and you get early access to that interview. It's going to be so good. I hope she doesn't back out, because then I will have nothing, you know, can't fulfill my promises. But I just wanted to thank you all for being here. Thanks to Becca Roofer, my producer. Thanks to uh, Kelly Carey on the other side of YouTube, and uh, Dorsey Shaw also on the other side of YouTube, making sure there is content for the algorithm and for you all. And, uh... We always end this show with a stupid clip of the right wing dunking on themselves or being ridiculous. But uh, this week, I wanted to shout out uh, someone who is very, very special uh, because um, she follows me on Twitter and I like her. Uh, no, Reedy Patel of Bakersfield, California, who went to a, um, I believe, just like a, a council meeting. A uh, city council meeting and uh, spoke her mind and it was fucking great. Oh, she's also active with the Sunrise Movement. Okay, I'm tired of the bullshit. Put your money where your mouth is. Stop talking about unhoused residents in this classist, fascist way because you all know that there are 4,000 vacant housing units in Bakersfield alone and 1,500 unhoused members in all of Kern County. It costs $30 million to fix. Put your money where your mouth is, Andre Gonzalez and Eric Arias, especially as members of my own party. You both are a joke to the Democratic Party. I don't want to hear some bullshit. I want actual things done. Both of you can't even speak out against a fucking ordinance that doesn't even allow for environmental review when the California Democratic Party specifically says no new fossil fuel infrastructure. Get a fucking backbone. Thank you, Ms. Patel. <laughs> Reedy Patel in Bakersfield, California. Shout out to you and your immense badassery and uh for that. More people need to do that. I love it. Um and uh yeah, y'all fight the power, fuck the patriarchy and remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it. See you next week. <laughs>